You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Wow, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you today. Hope the sun is shining wherever you are. So we are continuing in our series in uh, John's Gospel where we are looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. And so we are going to jump straight into God's word today. Um, If you have a Bible with you, then um, why don't you head to John chapter 15 and we're going to read verses 1 to 10. Um, I'm going to read it to you. So this is what it says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Amen. So the word fruit is used in this passage more than any other part of the Bible. In fact, the word fruit occurs seven times in this wee passage that we have just read. And three times we read about much fruit and being more fruitful. So close your eyes for a moment, bear with me, and uh, picture or think about images of fruit. Think of uh, fruit trees. Think of apple trees and pear trees, plum trees, orange trees, lemon trees. Think of blueberries growing on a blueberry bush, uh, cherry trees. Just picture much fruit in your mind's eye. Got it? Okay. Great. We're going to come back to that. That's good. So all the way back in Genesis, we are told the reason for the purpose, really, of why we've been created. And God says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So Adam and Eve are told to be fruitful people who have children who are fruitful, who have children who are fruitful, and so on it goes. And then throughout the Old and the New Testament, this metaphor of fruitfulness is used to show demonstrate really people who love the Lord, who are following the Lord, of who are demonstrating Christ-like character. They are loving people. They are being generous with their time, with their love, with their resources, with their money. They're serving the poor. These are all demonstrations of fruitfulness. And it's demonstrations of our love for God and our love for each other. And so that's the backdrop to our passage today in John. 
So verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now notice Jesus isn't saying he was a vine or he is one of the vines. Jesus is saying he is the true vine because Jesus is the only way, the only truth and the only life. There is no other also true vine. And anyone who thinks they know of a different uh, true vine is sadly mistaken because that it, they, the true vine isn't a true vine. It's just a branch and the branch has no root. Only the true vine can give life to its branches. And we as God's people are the branches and the Lord is the true vine. And when we remain in Jesus, we bear fruit and we are fruitful people. And the reality is, I think anyone who is watching today, if you're a Christian, you want your life to bear much fruit. We want to be fruitful people. Think back to those images that you were thinking about, you were picturing of all that fruit. That is what we want in our lives, displayed in our lives. During the good seasons and the good times in our lives, as, as well as the difficult and the painful times, we want to be people who bear much fruit. And so the question is, how do we remain fruitful? How do we keep on being fruitful? Well, you might say, well, you know, we just need to work a bit harder. I just need to dig a bit deeper. I just need to be a better person, a better friend, a better colleague, a better neighbor, a better son, a better daughter. But you know, this passage isn't saying any of that. The key to us being fruitful is in a word that appears over and over again. In fact, we see it appear 11 times in this passage. And it's a really small word, but it contains an awful lot of power. And that word is remain, remain. Why should a passive word like remain be the key to fruitfulness? Why isn't it an active kind of word, a going and doing kind of word? For some of us watching, we probably think, well, that'd be a bit easier. It's not an active word because when we remain in Jesus, we are actually allowing God to come and do the work through us. He does the work as we remain in him, allowing us to bear much fruit for his glory. A branch can't bear fruit on its own, neither can a Christian apart from Jesus. So point number one, when we remain in Jesus, we are fruitful. Verses four and five, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you will remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love to vacuum. Anyone else like to vacuum? Cheeky vacuum? Yes, there's a few of you, I'm sure. It doesn't matter. Um, I always think it doesn't matter if my bathroom is really dirty, there's a load of dishes in my sink, in my lounge is full of dust. As long as the floors are clear and I've hoovered, then I'm happy and I've got a clean house and no one tell me otherwise. That's what I think. So, um, 
when we moved into our house, there was a bit in our bedroom that was so annoying to get to with the hoover. So I could hoover every single part of the bedroom bar one corner. I'm sure probably some of you watching have parts of that within your own home as well. And, and if you're anything like me, what I do, and I've been doing this for five years now, I'm hoovering, 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 and then I just try and stretch that hoover as much as it can go to try and get into that corner, to try and reach. And as you can imagine, every time as I do that, I overextend the lead and it comes away from the power source and the hoover stops working. It, yeah, it's rendered useless. It doesn't work anymore. It's the same way when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. But the difference is that when a branch separates from the vine, it doesn't instantly wither up. It doesn't instantly just stop looking like a branch. For a time, it will seem like it is okay. But that is an illusion because a separated branch is a dying branch and it can't bear fruit. It looks like a branch, and for a while probably it will remain green like a branch. But the truth is that that branch is no longer part of the vine. From a distance it might look like it is, but it really isn't. You see, no Christian can survive for very long like that or bear any fruit. And maybe perhaps for some of us, for some of us here watching today, maybe we have stretched that cord a little bit too much when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. You know, we just overstretched it without meaning to. And suddenly we've realized we've come away from the power source. We've disconnected from Jesus and our faith and our heart and our spirit is slowly starting to wither. Why don't we pray? Lord, for anyone who is watching, Father, would you show them where they've come away from the power source? Would you come, Jesus, and would you come and fill them again? Would you come and connect them back in? And Lord, we say we are sorry where we have done that. We are sorry where we've tried to do things by ourselves, been self-reliant, self-resilient, and we recognise apart from you, we can do nothing. And we turn our faces to you again. And we ask, Father, you'd connect us back into your life-giving power. Amen. Amen. The good news is that Jesus says in verse 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So Jesus isn't saying we might possibly bear some fruit. Or, you know, if we're lucky, we might be able to squeeze out just a tiny bit of fruit. No, he's saying if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. Isn't that wonderful? Again, think back to that picture, that image of much fruit that you had. Now, it's not about our works. It's not about striving. It isn't about our strengths, our weaknesses, our personality types. It has got nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus. You see, when we remain in Jesus, we bear fruit. When we remain in him, everything else takes care of itself. But what does it actually mean to remain in Jesus? So firstly, point number one, personal connection. Jesus says in verse four, remain in me 
as I also remain in you. So as the vine and the um, branches, they share fellowship with one another, so does Jesus remain in us when we remain in him. And Jesus' invitation is open to everyone watching today. If anyone will remain in him, then he will remain in them. Jesus doesn't drive anyone away. It doesn't matter how, how you feel about yourself. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up in your life. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. Jesus' invitation is open to you today. And he stands there with open arms, ready and willing and longing to have a personal relationship with you. Jesus will never reject you. He will never walk away from you. He's a God who deeply loves you and cares about you and wants um, a really wonderful relationship with you. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, then there is um, an opportunity that is presenting itself today for you to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to die to my life and my wants and my dreams. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. When we remain in Jesus, it brings us life. <clears throat> Our relationship is strengthened and deepened and we love him more. And because we love him more, then we want to spend more time with him. And there becomes a unity and a oneness between us and Jesus. And because we want to spend more time with him, we trust him more. And because we trust him more, we choose to tell him the deep things hidden away right in the very depths of us that we don't share with anyone else. What does our personal relationship look like with Jesus? Are we remaining in him or are we resisting the things that he's wanting to do? Are we resisting the things that he's asking us to do? Are we resisting the things that he's giving us? Am I refusing to obey him? Am I running away from his pruning? Am I rejecting the discipline that he's wanting to bring to my life? Am I truly remaining? Remaining also looks like reading God's word. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So we remain in Jesus when we read God's word. And this book, it is so precious to us. Everything we need to know is in this book. In a world where it's really hard to know what is true and what is false, Everything we need to know that is true is here in the book. And also we are really privileged to be able to have this book available to us at any point and open it wherever we want to. There are many Christians that are killed because they own the Bible or they open up God's word in a place where they're not allowed to. We are so fortunate. This book is so precious to us. And we have to steep our souls in the book. I have to steep my soul in the book. You see, this book, it speaks to us, it instructs us, it guides us. It brings vision to us, it encourages us, it brings revelation to us. The Holy Spirit speak to, speaks to, through this book to us when we, when we spend time in God's word. And this book, it cleans us. And it keeps our path straight and walking towards Jesus. 
And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we discipline ourselves as the Apostle, as the Apostle Paul says, for the purposes of godliness. As we bend and we mould ourselves to that, we are remaining in Jesus. We're remaining in him. Next point, unhindered prayer life. Remaining looks like unhindered prayer life. So imagine having a friendship with someone and you didn't actually really ever speak to them. It really wouldn't be much of a friendship, would it? Relationships are built through conversation. They're built through journeying with one another, getting to know one another, which then brings about trust. And that's exactly how our prayer life should be. It's not all about confessing our sin, although that is a really important part of it. Because when we sin, we rebel against God. And when we rebel against him, we are walking away from him. And so it's so important that we confess our sin to him. Every time we muck up, every time we do something wrong, that we turn and we say sorry to Jesus. So it puts us back into a right relationship with him. It's really important that we keep short accounts in that area so that we're constantly just coming before the Lord and saying, I'm mucked up there, I'm sorry. I'm receiving his forgiveness. But there is also more to our prayer life than just confessing our sin. When we remain in Jesus, we are assured of sure and certain promises. In verse seven, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So when we're remaining in Jesus, we are drawing our life from him. And then his will starts to become our will. So then every time we pray and everything that we pray will fit perfectly and accordingly with the will of Jesus. Because we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And because we're becoming more and more like Jesus, he will grant our requests according to his will. So the more we remain in Jesus, the more our prayer life becomes a constant flow of Jesus's will becoming our will. You see, our prayer life smooths out all the rough and dirty and jagged edges of our lives. Remaining also means obedience. Jesus says in verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, Eugene Peterson, he's written a number of books. He's probably most famous for um, writing the Message Bible. And if you haven't checked that out, I'd strongly recommend you do that. Uh, he's also written a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I absolutely love that title. It's wonderful. You know, fruitfulness often takes time. It takes time. It doesn't always happen when we do something once or twice. But choosing a course of action throughout our lives that points to Jesus and continuing, 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 continuing. And sometimes if you're anything like me, we'll do, I'll do something for 15 minutes and then I'll look around and I'll go, well, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And if it isn't obvious that there is any fruit, then I'll say, Oh, I must have got that wrong. What else, Lord? What else do you have me do? Because there's no fruit here. When our youngest was in nursery, uh, she was given, which probably I think most nursery school kids get, which is a plastic cup with um, a sunflower seed and some earth. And she bought it home. 
And every morning she would come down the stairs and she could not understand why she wasn't seeing a massive sunflower springing up out of this pot. And every morning she'd have an utter meltdown because she just couldn't understand why this thing just didn't instantly grow. I do wonder if we can be a bit like that at times because our world is filled with instants, instant tricks, gimmicks, gadgets, things, all kinds of things that will basically give us instantaneous fruit. But you know what? Sometimes fruit, it just takes a while. It just takes a while. It takes time to plough. It takes time to plant. It takes time to water. It takes time to grow fruit, to wait on fruit. It might take two, three, or even four years for a gardener before they actually have a harvest. And so it might take us a while, maybe even a long time, of remaining in Jesus in the same direction, continuing in all the things that he's called us to do, all the things that we know he's asked us to do before we start to see the fruit. John Wimber, he was an amazing evangelist and he really had a gift of healing. He's one of my heroes. He was one of the founding fathers of the Vineyard Movement uh, that our church and many other churches across the world are part of. And he was someone who was really clearly called by the Lord. And he saw hundreds of people in the early 80s and 90s healed. And he taught thousands and thousands of people on how to do the stuff, how to pray for people. But before all of that, John Wimber, um, I don't know if you know this, but he prayed for hundreds and hundreds of sick people before he saw one person healed. In fact, he, he said that actually what would happen is he would pray for people and often they would get sicker, not better. Prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people before he saw one person healed. How can anyone stick with something through such constant failure? How could he do it? He did it because he refused to go by what he was experiencing. Instead, he stood in the obedience to the call of God that was on his life. The Lord told him to pray for the sick. And so that's what he did. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Lastly, when we remain, we are filled with love. Jesus says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus is basically saying, never leave love behind. Always remain in his love. We never get to go beyond it. Never see Jesus's love like um, as an airport where we, um, we fly off into the destination that we actually want to go to. Jesus's love is like soil that a tree that is planted in so desperately needs. Without that soil, that tree will die. Jesus' love is like water for the fish. Jesus' love is like air for our lungs. We cannot live without it. And it's as sure and as certain as the rising of the sun. We have to remain in his love. We need to remain in his love. 
Rich Nathan, who was a vineyard pastor, well, is a vineyard pastor in America. Uh, he pastors or used to pastor until he handed over his church. He's retired now. Uh, vineyard Columbus, he wrote this. He said, remain in me, cling to me, stick fast to me, live lives of close and intimate communion with me. Get nearer and nearer to me. Roll every burden on me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go of your hold on me for a moment. Be as it were rooted and planted in me. Do this and I will never fail you. I will forever remain in you. So this pastor, Rich Nathan, he grew up in a very unhappy home. Uh, his parents were constantly fighting. He would come home and often the electric uh, was switched off or the heating or the phone was disconnected because uh, the pa his parents didn't pay the bills. Um, there was domestic violence and in the home and eventually his house was repossessed. He said he had one thing going for him, though, and that was that he loved school and he was good at school. And he recalls a time when he was in third grade, uh, so he was a wee, wee boy, and one of his favourite teachers was going on maternity leave. And so the class decided that they would uh, send her off in style and have a little party for her. But Rich couldn't celebrate. This wee boy couldn't celebrate. He was devastated that his, one of his favourite teachers was going. And so he sat at his desk and he looked pretty, pretty sad. And then this teacher called him over and uh, she, she picked him up and she put him on her lap in front of all the other students and she whispered in his ear, Richard, if I have a little boy... I want him to be just like you. And in that moment, he said he experienced the love of Jesus for the very first time in his life. When he became a Christian, he was 18 years of age, and he said two amazing things happened to him. First, he was the happiest he'd ever been in, in his entire life. He was just so happy. And the second thing that happened was every single night for about a month, he would, stop, he would sob hysterically in his bedroom. And it was like Jesus was coming into all his pain, all his trauma, everything that that wee boy had absorbed over those 18 years, and he was washing it away. He was pouring in his love, and he was washing the pain away. Why keep ourselves in the love of Jesus? Because Jesus' love can change our lives for the better. Only Jesus' love can do that. So if we struggle with bearing fruit, if we struggle with being obedient, if we're struggling with being loved or loving, if we're struggling with prayer, our prayer life, or we're struggling with opening God's word and reading his word, what are we really struggling with? We're really struggling in remaining in Jesus, remaining in him. Because all these other things are symptoms of a bigger issue. The issue isn't, well, how do I pray more? Or how do I do more? Or I must, I must, I must do this, I must do that. I must love more. They are the wrong questions that we should be asking ourselves. The question we really need to be asking, Jesus is, show me where I'm not remaining in you, Jesus. Show me where I'm not remaining. 
because when we're rightly connected to the vine, when we remain in Jesus, we will bear much fruit. When we remain, our relationships with Jesus deepens. When we remain, our prayer life accelerates. When we remain, we do choose the long walk of obedience. And when we remain in Jesus, we are full of love. Why don't I pray? Lord, we want to be people who remain in you. We want to be people who are full of love, who bear fruit, who know you well and intimately. Would you come and would you show us any areas of our lives right now, Lord, where we're currently not remaining in you? And would you help us to do business with you in that? Would you pour in your love and your grace? Would you reconnect us to you again? We pray. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we want to be a people who live fruitful lives for you. Mm. Amen. Amen.